come with me, we're going on a fantastic cruise. Pick your destination with news tips and reviews. But here is an item you might not have thought of. All of the things under the water. Nature surrounds us with elegant features. You can't go on a cruise and not see the creatures. So let's make some magic. Let's get ecstatic. Instantly classic. Maybe romantic. The wildlife around you. Cinematic on your fantastic cruise. Bon Beanie, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fantastic Cruising. I am Matt. And I'm Kimbra. And today we have some special guests coming up in just a little bit. We're going to talk about our upcoming Keys trip. They have been to the Keys. They have some experience with it. But before we get into that, let me just tell you, if you're looking for those last few episodes to be reviewed of Shark Week, stay tuned until after the closing music. And we will give you our thoughts on those last episodes after we get to that, do that. Sounds good. It does. So a uh, little history on who's going to be in this episode. It's our friends, Mallory and Andrew, or Andrew and Mallory, depending, because I got in trouble for saying Andrew and Mallory, not by them, by Kimbra. Well, and, because you made it seem like boys are better. No, I, I almost always default to Mallory and Andrew, or whatever the case may be, but I was like alphabetical for some reason, and then boom, I get attacked, just like that. It's just it's crazy. I don't know what to do. Girls rule, boys drool. Whatever, <laughs> whatever. Girl power. Anyway, you're going to hear us talking to them and asking them questions about the keys, about scuba diving. We talk about where to eat, where to get drinks, where uh, to sleep, where to sleep, things to do, and uh, a couple things. That I want to clarify up front that we know since we did the interview. One, you're going to hear us reference getting dive lights. Should we get dive lights? Well, we did We did that. We bought dive lights. They're on the way. Because we're not mail. patient. <laughs> two, um, what, what was two? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, two, uh, I think the two was, um, oh, there was some controversy whether... They saw an alligator or a crocodile. Mallory said alligator. She wasn't sure. I said, there are crocodiles in the Keys. She sent the picture. It's an alligator. She was right. She knows what she's talking about. So that was the other thing. And I think that's it. Uh, Sure. Is that all you got? Now, um, (laughs) let's tell people who Mallory and Andrew are, if you don't know. See, I did it in what you would say is the correct order that time. Yeah. I mean, I don't want Andrew to think that he's like second. He's just a boy. He's just a boy. <laughs> no, I Merely like, a male. I like both of them. I'm just kidding. Andrew's <laughs> the quiet one like me, so we relate. Yeah, so you should be putting Andrew up front and center, right? I should. You're and right. I should be on Team Mallory. I like them both. I like them both. <laughs> anyway, they are they are listeners of the podcast. They are patrons on our Patreon account. And uh, what's happened is they've also become... Pretty good friends. I mean, it's it's weird because when you do this kind of thing, you make friends virtually. And, you know, that happens in the cruising community. It happens with the podcast. And so we have hung out with them virtually on a few occasions. And um, we get along really, really well. So one, they're scuba divers. And two, they're creature people. I don't know which one's more important for us to get along, but they're both of those things. And three, they're just super nice people. So And they make beer taps. They do. They do make beer taps. Yes. Which are really, really cool. So we thought, you know, we're we're working our way up to our Keys trip. 
which will be coming out. Um, well, actually, we may be on the way there when this comes out. Yeah, we should be. Hopefully. And um, and, and, if, and so we thought they'd be a good resource. So we're going to interview Mallory and Andrew, Andrew and Mallory. What Maybe we should do like a combo, like um, Mandrew or that doesn't sound no. right. <laughs> Mallory. 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 I don't know. Andrew Lee. No, no. I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to work on it. We'll have to work on it. They did just get engaged, though. They did. Yes. Isn't that exciting? Fairly recently got engaged. So um, so congratulations to them. And here's our interview. Well, hello, Mallory and Andrew. How are you guys doing in cold Wisconsin? <laughs> Not bad. So yeah, it's actually too cold up here either. So that's true. It is. It is August, right? If it was yeah. cold in Wisconsin in August, you definitely would want to move. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we brought you guys on the podcast because um, we know you guys have got some experience doing what we're going to do in about a week, and that is scuba diving and just go into. Well, if people are listening to this when it comes out, we will. Oh, that's Be right. doing that. We're recording this way early. Yeah. We are this is this is how on the ball we are. We're <laughs> we're actually recording this interview the Saturday before the Saturday that was yesterday, if you're listening on Sunday when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, do that we're, math. We're a week and a day early. There you go. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so so you guys have had some experience in the keys and, and we know that, so we wanted to pick your brains uh for our benefits and also everybody else that you know, they're maybe looking to do something they can't cruise right now because that's just not a thing that's happening. And so Florida Keys is about as close as you can get to a Caribbean cruise without leaving the continental United States. So we thought that would be uh, pretty good. Yeah. So let's let's start off with this. And since we're going there to go diving, that's our primary goal. Tell us this, how many times have you guys gone to the Keys on dive trips? Technically four, um, but one of those times was in January, and there was a small craft advisory because of the wind and waves the entire time, so we did not get to dive at all, unfortunately. Oh, no. Far. Yeah, but so we have gone diving there three times. That would be, that would be tragic. That you guys be devastating. Yeah, it's not <laughs> like you just drove there. You guys had to fly down and then small. How long were you here for or there for? Like, four days yeah four days four days oh we knew well, there were advisories the day before we were flying out and i was concerned you know so we had heads up we had a feeling we couldn't even go snorkeling though so oh, oh man, man. Really, yeah nothing yeah well fingers crossed that's not going to happen to us that won't ha- i'm not, it, it's not allowed <laughs> All right so so you've gone there four times you've gone diving on diving trips three times uh so tell us, let's, let's do this, because um, I know you guys have do- dove there quite a bit then. Well, actually, let's start here. About how many dives do you guys usually do on a, on a trip? Say you're there for, what, are you usually there for four days, or is it sometimes longer? Yeah, you, we, well, we've done it a couple ways before. Uh, the times you we went there just for the trip, we did like three days of diving plus, you know, the extra day at the end so you can fly back home. And then we've also done it where we uh, – dove down there before we got on a cruise too and i think that was two days yeah two days of diving for that one well that sounds like a terrible terrible <laughs> vacation you go scuba diving in the florida keys and then you have to go on a cruise i mean yeah <laughs> my goodness 
do more dynamic cruise. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. See, this this is why this is why we're friends with these guys. I know. <laughs> we can we can relate completely to to doing that kind of stuff. That sounds amazing. So, all right. So then, what are your favorite dive sites that you've been to in the Keys? Well, we have been to multiple reef systems. Um, we've been to Elbow Reef and Molasses Reef. Pickles Reef, and there are other dive sites like the North Dry Docks and Hens and Chickens, too. Do any of them stand out as, like, distinct or or something that, that makes them more memorable? I think the creatures kind of, kind of makes them memorable, like what you saw. So, And we saw the like Goliath Grouper was that one. I don't even remember which one that was, but that was yeah. super memorable. That was. That's pretty cool. I Goliath Coopers are awesome. I, I've never seen one in the Keys. I've only been diving. Let's see. I've been on two, only two dive trips to the Keys, I think. I've been on a snorkel trip too, but I, and I've been to the, here's the funny thing. I just realized I've been to the Keys technically, I guess only four times. I've never been to the Keys. And three of them I went diving just like them. Fourth, wow! Because the fourth time I was just went to Key West and it was cold. It was, I mean, I, I didn't have anybody with me that was a diver. Anything, Were you so. with them? No, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So Goliath Cooper is pretty cool. That, that was actually the next thing I wanted to ask you guys is what is the, what is the neatest or some of the neatest animals that you guys have seen in the Keys? The grouper. And I would say when we do the night dives, that we love so much, the seeing the Caribbean reef squid is definitely a highlight. So that's that you were yeah, just asking me about that's that. That's good to know. We were watching what what was it? One of the Shark Week episodes, and they were talking about the squid. And I was like, "Ooh, you've seen squid in Cayman? Do you think we'll see some in the Keys?" And then we were looking up to see if they would be in the Keys. So that would be cool. Yeah, so and you see them at night. See, I've seen I've only been in on day things because it's been through cruises where I've seen them. And I know most squid are more nocturnal, so I guess that your odds of seeing them are going to increase. How about octopuses? Have you seen any of those on, on the night dives in the Keys? Yes. Yep, only on night dives. We've never seen an octopus during the day, period, ever. <laughs> <laughs> They're hard to see. I mean, yeah. the one I saw in, um, oh, what is it? I always forget the name of it, Carnival's Little Island. Um, um, Half Moon. Half Moon K, yeah. The, the one I saw there, I almost like put my hand on it. I thought it was a rock. And I literally was like, almost grabbed it. And uh, then I realized, oh, you're you're an octopus. So that was amazing. That that would be, um, anytime I see any kind of cephalopod, squid, octopus, I am like, I would say in hog heaven, but I feel like it should be like in cuttlefish heaven or something like that. <laughs> cuttlefish heaven. <laughs> that would be really, really cool. So, okay. So speaking of night dives, you guys have gone night diving, I know, at least two, two plus times. I, I think I've watched some video of you guys night diving at least. I think it was, was that one like spliced together night dives? I know it was spliced together dives. That was our first Keys trip in June of 2017. And that was combined, yes, yeah, spliced dives from just that trip. Yeah, we've done two night dives in the Keys. And then we've done uh, one in Cozumel. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, all right, so night diving. I've gone on night dives a couple times. Kimbra has yet to do a night dive. It's going to be her. We are doing one night dive, 
at least maybe we'll I was gonna say yeah we're doing it at the beginning so if we oh, yeah. really like it we could add another one on right because when we looked they were like we only do it on the weekends but then when we called them they were like no we do it three days a week or something yeah. like that right so um so let's say that somebody's out there they're going to go on a night dive uh what how would you describe it like how does it compare to a regular dive like any any aspects of it at all when you start it is not dark out the sun is just setting and so you get to see the transition from day to twilight to night to complete black that's pretty cool the other big thing is the uh the creatures you see is completely different than what you see in the day and they're doing different activities as well so yeah, more squid more octopus uh, do you notice a lot of difference in the, the fish behavior that you bring that up? Like you see different animals in different locations? Yeah, and the, uh, is it the parrot fish that makes the mucus membrane around it? And they sleep in the sponges. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Matt, you guys can't see this. I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna tell on you. Mallory's like whispering things well, to I Andrew. want him to talk and <laughs> I have a lot to say, but I don't want to overpower everything. So that's I, why I'm like waiting. Like, I feel the same way with That's Kimber how sometimes. we are. I, yeah, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to try and be quiet so she can talk. But then if there's a pause and I just like, boom, go. So <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I don't, you know, when I've gone on night dives, I, I know about the parrotfish doing that. I, I don't remember seeing them in the mucus casing when I've done it, but I'm going to be looking for that that would be really cool. I know the barracuda always seem to be hanging lower when I've done the night dives. And uh, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like the night crew, you know? I mean, you go, you go out during the day anywhere and it's maybe a different vibe, different, different people hanging out, doing different things. And then you go to the same place at night and it's, it's totally different scene. So uh, when you go on a night dive, you take a, a flashlight with you, right? Yeah. You can either bring your own or uh, the, uh, dive shop will either rent one or uh, for free, well, rent one for fee or for free. Uh, generally, the dive shop ones aren't nearly as nice as like what you can get. Uh, we use, I think they're either 600 or 1,000 lumen uh, LED ones, and they give a nice bright white light that works great for video, too. Now, do you use two lights per diver? Like, do you have a backup light, or? I always carry a backup light on me, uh, and we can always share it if something did happen. It's pretty safe though, like in a Keys dive. I mean, our, our dive is going to be like 35 feet or something like that. It's the, the Benwood wreck. I don't know if you guys have dove on the Benwood wreck. Um, yeah. Okay, so that's that's where our night dive is supposed to take place. I think it's, I don't want to say it's like 35 feet. I think 45. 45 feet maybe? Okay, yeah. this is the max. Yeah, so I mean, for those of you out there that are not divers, that's pretty safe uh, limit. In fact, that's the deepest we're going to be on this trip. We're yeah, I think Pretty that's... basic, easy dives. Uh, and then the reason for that is because if if you need to surface from 35, 40 feet, you don't really have to worry too much about like things like decompression. You're going to be able to get to the surface even if you even if you were to run out of air and all of the backups failed, you'd still be able to make it to the surface easily. Um, when you start getting below, really below 30 feet, but especially when you get to like 60, 80 feet, that's when you really need to throw those extra cautions in. You have to account for if you have to go to the surface you have to make some some safety stops you do safety stops no matter what but um but under under 30 40 feet that's it's a it's a little more of just precaution rather than necessity i guess i would say but that's pretty cool so we're 
we're debating whether we're going to dive a buy light, buy a dive light. Let's try that that way. <laughs> buy a dive light or rent. And I think with the place we're going through, which is Rainbow Reef, which I know you guys have dove with Rainbow Reef before, um, they they are going to they don't give them to you. I guess it sounds like you have to rent them. It's only ten bucks to rent. I think is it ten bucks? Yeah, I think it was ten. Which is. I don't know. It's I guess it's kind of pricey if you were doing a lot of night dives, but if you're not doing a lot of night dives, it's a lot cheaper than buying a light. But of course, you know, it's kind of cool to have that light. And like, like you said, Andrew, the, the quality, I didn't think about that. The quality might not be the same. I mean, that's definitely the case when you're talking about other rental gear. In some cases, you're not getting the same quality. So uh, that's making me think maybe we should look more at buying our own light. I haven't shopped around too much there. I don't I've know looked what... a little bit. I've looked on Amazon and there was one that I saw that was what that one was $70, $60-70 which is fine. <laughs> does that does that sound like a, a fair price for a for a good dive light? Yeah, I mean I got ours on like uh, it was like a super clearance sale. I paid like $20 each for them. Oh nice. It was it was amazing for how bright they are. That's cool. And you said they were like how many lumens? It's either 600 or 1,000. Okay. Okay. I do have one dive light, um, but it's a smaller one. It's It'll be good as probably a backup, but um, yeah. So we'll have to look into doing that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, we there's lots of dive shops. We've reserved Monday for shopping, so... <laughs> Because that's what we need to do is go shopping. <laughs> right? I want, I want new fins. Yeah, she's not – her fins are rubbing her the wrong way, quite literally. <laughs> yeah, they, they give me blisters and they fall off my feet. So that doesn't work well. What I like is uh, I got some uh, – they're kind of like the uh, boot fins, but they're designed to use with like an aqua sock, like a neoprene sock instead. So you, uh, you put the sock on and then you just strap them on. They don't offer the protection that the uh, booties would offer, but like my uh, local dive shop basically said, but if you're not doing Bonaire, you don't really need the uh, the rubber sole booties for them either. Okay, that's pretty no. cool. Yeah, so just so it's you're still wearing something, but it's not like the full yeah, like the treaded booty and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't know your your fins, Kimber. They're just uh, they just fit you weird or something. Yeah, I just I just don't think they fit me right. Yeah. Because when I did when we did the dive at the aquarium, those fins were just fine. I mean, I wasn't like kicking the same way, but right. I had no issues with them falling off. Yeah, yeah, that's the weird part is them falling off. And then when right? I tried your she new has extraordinarily fins on, tiny feet. That's, that's not true at all. <laughs> when I tried your fins on, they hurt my feet. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when, when I, before I got fins, I tried your mom's fins on and I had no trouble with those when we were at the spring. Yeah. So I don't know. So the, the quest for the perfect fins, it's like Cinderella slipper, but yeah. for you it's a fin. You got to find the right, the perfect <laughs> fin. <laughs> I mean, I am a princess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I have something to say about the dive light. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love to bring my dive light out, even if it's not a night dive. For instance, in Cozumel, when you're on a dark side of a wall, it's awesome to use to see in all the sponges and under the corals and also for swim throughs and things. So it is, I like to take it with me no matter what. So what you're saying is it's worth it to spend a little bit of money on that dive light because you're going to use it more. Now I did, I did bring mine along when we went to Lake Denton for that reason. And then 
realized that, oh yeah, this is a chargeable rechargeable dive line. And I hadn't used it since I bought it and I went on a cruise and I didn't actually use it on a dive. I was using it to snorkel. And then I hadn't used it in like probably over a year. So it had just been sitting there, but I'm going to charge it this time. But that's a good point. So that is, that so is a good reason. we should look into getting some lights anyways. Yeah. And plus we're going to want to buy something. Where well, the yeah, keys I mean, at the dive shops are going to want to Well, buy yeah. <laughs> okay. That's that's cool. All right, so let's let's talk. Let's pull it back a little bit to the Florida Keys, and um, we're looking at you know what we're going to do when we're not diving, when we're not snorkeling. Well, first of all, have you guys gone snorkeling as well as diving in the Keys? We haven't. The one time on the uh, trip that we thought about it, we had called up a place, and like, yeah, the, the weather is pretty questionable. So it's going to be pretty cloudy. It's like, yeah, we didn't think it would be worth it at that point. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've gone snorkeling um, off a boat in there. It wasn't quite the same as, as diving, but it was still cool, you know. The the problem is, um, I've done it a few times, actually. I've gone snorkeling a few times down there off of boats. And the one time they took me, I think it might have been to the Benwood, and it was like 45 feet. I mean, I can swim underwater for a while, but... I, to get to 45 feet, I can't stay for very long, you know, so uh, without a tank. But um, but we're going to try and check out some different snorkeling spots along the Keys that are right from the beach. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about food. Okay. <laughs> what are the best restaurants you guys have found in the Florida Keys? And, and we are staying in Key Largo, but we're willing to drive a little a little ways to the other keys if we need to maybe not key west because that's pretty far but we love mrs max kitchen it's a really cute quirky diner is that in key largo yeah i've, yeah. I've seen that, that one and there's like two of them right yeah yeah okay that's one that i've seen when i'm searching for restaurants okay what kind of food is it just typical traditional american breakfast and lunch so sandwiches and skillets and breakfasty stuff <laughs> so is this the place we should go for breakfast is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah okay all right all right that works um what what other places any other places that you've eaten at that you're like oh that was really really good we like seafood and i know you guys don't so <laughs> i know it's, it's, it's difficult shame, right now yeah, it's a shame. I wish we liked seafood because we're going to like one of the best places in the world probably to get, or definitely in the United States to get seafood. And we're both like, yeah, we don't like seafood. If I could change that about me, that's maybe that would be like the one thing I would change about me would be. That's would, the only thing you would change about no, you? Uh, no, there's plenty I would change <laughs> just about me. I'm just saying like, that's like one thing I would, I wish I did like seafood. I'll eat shrimp. You will, yeah. 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 I haven't had shrimp in a long time. Um, we like the Keys Fisheries, but that's down in Marathon, and they have lots of seafood. We had lobster mac and cheese, which is amazing, and then I believe you had a lobster Reuben? Yeah, I think so. We might make it as far as Marathon. Um, when our plan to go snorkeling, I don't know if you've ever researched, like, beach snorkeling in the Florida Keys, but it, you just, if you go into any forum and you're like, where can I snorkel from the beach in Florida? First of all, you'll get five people who are like, you can't snorkel from the beach in Florida because, you know. Or, you mean the Keys? The key, no, just Florida. Oh, just Florida? Oh, Florida in general. Oh, okay. And then you'll get people that are actually helpful and, uh, and they'll tell you some spots. And yeah, they're, they're not as great as some other places, but, uh, but there's still some places. And in the Keys, it seems like 
um, you can snorkel right at John Pennycamp Park, which I've done that and I've had it where it was clear and I've had it where it was like maybe six inches of visibility. So we're going to try that one. But um, also there's a place, uh, we, we found several spots and most of them are further uh, west on the Keys, not as far as Key West. And they're right around the Seven Mile Bridge on either side of it. So we're going to stop at a place called, what is it? Which one? Sombrero? Uh, Sombrero, Sombrero Beach. Beach. Yeah, and, that, and then there's Seven Mile Bridge, and then it's Bahia Honda, or how do you... Bahia Honda. Bahia Honda. We're, we're trying to figure out Bahia, how to say that. Bahia Honda. We heard somebody in Shark Week episode say it differently. And then yeah, they like, said... We I think they said wrong. Bahia Honda. Bahia Honda. I, yeah, so yeah. it's a Spanish word, so we just need to yeah. find somebody that speaks. Or what was it? Bahia Honda? Bahia. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was like Bahia Honda or Bahia Honda. So I, don't I, don't, know. I don't know. Anyway, it's, anyway. And then Horseshoe Beach. Which is which is right there, right? That's yeah, like, um, which is right at like by a Honda. Yeah. So we're gonna try those. So we'll that'll get us down the road a little bit. Um so maybe we'll, you know, we'll catch lunch or dinner. Maybe we'll see a hammerhead shark. That'd be cool. Yeah. Have you guys watched any of Shark Week? A little bit. Yeah. But not much. Yeah, yeah I mean well, well, by the time this comes out, we'll have already posted all, all of our opinions and stuff. I think out of the 19 episodes, how many did we really enjoy? Four? Four. There were four that we really there, liked a yeah, lot. Yeah, four that we marked like high. There were some others that were okay, and there were some that, you know, I don't know. If I, if I see another Shark Week episode on Great Whites, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. There's just, there's so much. And it's all the same thing over and over again for 20 some odd years. But uh, but the one that was Monsters Under the Bridge, which was about a supposed big old great hammerhead that swims under the Seven Mile Bridge, was pretty cool. And that, that one we enjoyed quite a bit. And that's Seven Mile Bridge is right between these places where we're going to snorkel. So that's why yeah. we're hopeful we'll see a, maybe yeah. a hammerhead or something. Yeah. And Goliath Groupers. That was the other thing. Like they jumped in the yeah. water by the bridge. They saw a bunch of them. Yeah, there was a bunch of Goliath Groupers like everywhere by the bridge. So. That would be pretty cool. And the nurse shark. And I remember if they saw it. Did they see a bull shark? Uh, they saw a tiger shark. Did they? Yeah. Even, maybe oh, it was a bull. Yeah. They saw That's another cool. shark. <laughs> yeah. Surprisingly. <laughs> yeah. I uh, know one of the dive shops that was actually bought out by Rainbow Reef was called Ocean Divers. And their logo was a hammerhead because there was one hammerhead that hung around Key Largo all the time and people grew up seeing him. So, Oh, that's, that'd be cool. Yeah. When, when I was 15 and went to the Keys on the dive trip after, right after I got certified, I might've turned 16 by the time that dive trip happened. Um, I remember ocean divers from then and I had a shirt with their logo on it. I don't think we dove through them, but we went, we stopped in there and I bought a shirt because of the hammerhead logo, because that logo was so cool. So that's that's awesome. It's one of my favorite shark species hammerheads. Pretty amazing fish. Ocean divers is also associated with uh, divers direct for a while. So they had the, the common like rewards point system. Oh. Oh. Okay. That's were, interesting. Remember we got, bought some dive gear and we got a discount on one of our dives once because of that. We bought all that dive gear and we were through Divers Direct and we were like, oh man, we're racking up the points. And then we found out that like almost everything we bought didn't count towards points. Oh. <laughs> we're like, yeah. yeah. Was... Like I think what the 
I'm not going to say it right. The mark, surface marker. It's not, what is it? Surface buoy marker. This, the safety <laughs> not, the, not the BDSM. That's what no, I was about to say. That's <laughs> what she called it. I don't know where you're diving, but. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, I think that was like the only thing that counted towards yeah. points. Yeah, That's not fair. I know. No, I mean, we, we spent a lot of money with them. Yeah, because we bought Scuba Pro stuff. So, you know, we spent way too much money, but and then we didn't get points for it. I was like, no, but we, we do like Divers Direct. So that's pretty cool. All right, let's let's talk about uh, places to get a good drink. How about that? Did you guys hit any of the bars down there in, in, Keys, in the Keys? Yeah, we saw Hulk Hogan at the Caribbean Club once. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's in Key Largo. Yeah, Hulk, a Hulk Hogan lookalike. Yeah, <laughs> but, was it was it him? Was it him or was it a lookalike? He was a lookalike. Oh, okay. Because I saw Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan lives, I think, in or he was living in like Clearwater, and I was at a park called Veterans Park, uh, kayaking, and I was coming in, and I'm almost 100 percent sure it was Hulk Hogan who was fishing. But otherwise, it was the same guy you guys saw, because this guy was a dead <laughs> ringer for Hulk Hogan. I didn't say anything to him, but... <laughs> yeah, I looked up his like actual like height or something on my phone when we were at the bar. It's like, oh, that's a little off. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. There, who knows how many Hulk Hogan lookalikes there are in the, right. in the world. It's, he's kind of got that Key West look, too, in, in a way, the blonde hair and the mustache. Bandana on his head. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far off from that. So... So, uh, okay, so we can go have a drink with Hulk Hogan. Yep. Um, there's this place called Gilbert's right when you enter the Keys. And we like to get some rum punch and watch the sunset there. And also, we love the Florida Keys Brewing Company. Oh. You know, okay. he's a brewer. We make tap yeah. handles. So, <laughs> and we enjoy there. Yeah, they have a cool bar there, too. Mm -hmm. And that's in Key Largo? It is in Isla Mirada. Okay. Okay, so that's not too far. So it goes Key Largo, then Tavernier, Plantation, and Isla Mirada. Yeah, that's pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So good beer at the at that brewery. And they yes. brew right there in the Keys? Yeah. I mean it's a brewery. Well, I know, but it's just, <laughs> you know, lands that are, is a you know, hard to come by in the Keys. Okay. I guess you don't need a ton of space though for like a microbrewery like that. Like you don't need like a, like huge, it's not like Anheuser-Busch or well, something no. like that. So you just need a decent amount of space to. A building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got our beer covered. We got our drinks covered. Rum punch. I would say write this down, but we'll be able to listen that's to what, it again. Well, that's what I was about to bring up the notes here, but I was like, we're just going to re-listen We to have all an of audio this. record of this whole conversation. <laughs> we can even listen to it if we're down there. We're like, what did they say? We'll oh, listen yeah. to it on our way down there. We can listen to it, on, yeah. Listen to our own podcast So on what the way we down. do, sometimes we do, I try to, <laughs> to make sure I didn't make any horrible mistakes in editing. But uh, that's cool. All right, now, the other thing that you guys told us about that we are going to take you up on uh, is the diving museum, right? You guys told us about that, didn't you? Is that you guys? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And uh, yeah. it looks pretty cool. You guys have been there then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they kind of go through like the whole history of diving from like very early where all your, uh, all the air supply system was on land, hand powered. 
and then go through how it was commercial, how it was used commercially, and then kind of how the recreational area of it started as well. And then also some other uh, kind of ocean research type of stuff as well. That's cool. cool. About how much time do you think the average person spends there? Is it like an hour, less, more? Yeah, I'd say probably about an hour would be about right. Uh, yeah, depending a, on interest level. Yeah, so we, we may be there a little longer. I'm, I'm going to ask them if they'll let us vlog it, and, and if they do, then we'll vlog it. If they won't, then they won't. But, yeah. um, but I, I think we'll probably spend a little more time there. I, I tried to – I've actually looked at that place before because I did a, a homeschool class at the aquarium for on the scuba diving, and so I was looking at the history of scuba diving, and I kind of looked to them as a little bit of a resource or at least to get ideas on where to go find other information. But I wish I would have had – footage from that for that class so maybe i'll get some photos for and the stuff. future yeah for the future of the history of scuba diving <laughs> for the future <laughs> of the history of scuba diving there we go so any what are we missing what what should we do when we're in the keys is there anything we should do that we haven't thought of we love the laura quinn wild bird sanctuary oh okay it we're, is a donation only place um they have lots of birds native birds and they have the songbird section and there is a blue jay in there named flap who was hand raised and i love this blue jay so much <laughs> that's funny we we have a blue jay at the aquarium named butternut who was raised by humans and she will just fly right next to your head all the time uh so that where where is that is that key that's that's in Tavernier. Okay, I so think that's... we looked that one up. A lot of those kinds of places are not open Some right now. Some of them are closed, yeah. Yeah. We'll check. Oh, okay. We'll see. But we can always go to the Keys again one day. Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have you guys ever done the tarpon thing, feeding the tarpon? Are you familiar? Yes, we have at Robbie's. It's a, they have a bar and grill on premises. They have lots of little shopping things, and you could feed the tarpon, and there are crazy pelicans that <sighs> – try and steal the bait or the food <laughs> yeah. right from you. They all group right along the pier and like just float and stare at you and it's really funny. I loved it. Yeah, I think I had more fun taking pictures of the pelican than the tarpon. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay. That's cool. We're definitely going to try and hit that place yeah. and uh, and maybe I was going to say feed the tarpon but maybe we'll be fighting off pelicans as well. I, I, I'm okay with that. Pelicans are cool. I like pelicans. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, what else? What are we missing from the keys? The key deer and big pine key are very cool to see. So key deer are uh, smaller species of deer, and they're only their whole range is in the Florida Keys, right? Are there? Are they might be in the Everglades a little bit? I feel like maybe their range is extended a little bit, but they I don't know. They might just are they just on like a couple keys? I believe it's just the big pine. Key, which is way closer to Key West than to yeah. the Upper Key. So. I know driving through there, there's like signs and stuff like that. Yeah, I think Kimber's bringing up like a range map. Yeah, it's only reason, in the Keys. I was thinking that going on 41 across through the Everglades, I saw something about Key Deer, but that that's probably me just imagining things. As a, so yeah, so they're, they're smaller than your standard traditional deer, and they're only there, so they're a pretty protected species of, of mammal. I believe if you hit one, you get fined for it. Oh, wow. Wow. 
they and have they like linger around neighborhoods and hang out in the front yards they're used to people i we went to this park and big pine key and one approached me and literally went up to my nose i just <gasps> crouched down i was on the gravel trail and it came right up to me that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. It was on my birthday. <laughs> well, that's why then. Uh, yeah. Obviously, it was a birthday gift. <laughs> uh, do you guys see other animals? Like, I've seen some weird geckos when I've been in the Florida Keys. I know down in that area, Miami on, there's a lot of invasive species, especially, well, the ones I'm familiar with are, are mostly the reptiles. But have you guys ever noticed any weird lizards or anything like that? When we went to the Penny Camp State Park, we found a really cool nature trail. And the highlight of that trail was all the anoles everywhere. <laughs> are they invasive? Uh, technically, the, the brown anoles are. They're all over the state. Um, but there is a native species that's green. So, uh, okay. we so saw, it depends on which color. <laughs> we saw both. Yeah. Okay. Lots oh, that's of cool. variety. Well, and then in, in the Keys, there also might be some other species of anoles because there's like a lot of different anole species. So like all through here, even I've seen them in Louisiana, they're throughout Georgia. You get the generic brown anole, which is basically, it's probably mostly one species of, of anole that's like from somewhere in the Caribbean. Uh, but there are some bigger ones and there are some different species that I think are uh, more likely to be seen in the in that area. So you could have seen multiple different types. That's one of the things I want to kind of look for. I'd, I'd love to see a crocodile there. I know the population's come back. Uh, I've, I found a Facebook group for crocodiles in the Keys, and I asked the question, like, where could I find a crocodile? And nobody's responded. I don't think anybody's posted anything since, like, 2016 on that site. So, uh, but I, I, I'm going to look for those as well. Did we see one when we... We saw an alligator. Okay. At the place where I found that key deer that walked right up to me. They, it's called like Blue Hole Park or something. Yeah. And it's just a random blue pond where the key deer hang out. And that's where the alligator was. But I'm sure it wasn't a crocodile. There are crocodiles in that area though. That is, well, I have pictures. How about I, I'll, I'll post some of the photos and you can confirm. Okay, that sounds okay. good. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there are alligators and crocodiles in the Keys, but they're one of the few places you could see crocodiles is in the Keys, depending on, um, yeah, just could be either one. And when you guys were there, since it's been 2017 or, or more recent, that's, that population has really bounced back and people are starting to find them now much more commonly than they, they used to be, almost never seen anywhere except for few very very small isolated points in their population was but very 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 cool that would be i would actually be more excited about seeing a hammerhead than a crocodile believe it or not because i've seen american crocodiles and i have never seen a hammerhead but that would be really awesome i i would be more excited about seeing a hammerhead also and i've never seen either of them but hammerheads look cool and i made one out of clay so that's true that's true. Would you ever want to dive with crocodiles? Yes, I would do that. She's she's shaking her head no. I don't think I would dive with a crocodile. It would it would have to be in a situation where I know it was relatively safe. But I think that people do that. There are some places where you can do that with I think American crocodiles. Like I don't know. I, I see footage of saltwater crocodiles in Australia underwater, but 
they're not the huge animals and they're not in the river systems. I don't know how safe that would be, but American crocodiles usually are not too much of an issue for people. So I think if you saw one in the right conditions, I don't, I don't know if my mom would let me do that. (laughs) Well, don't tell her. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I don't know. I think I'd have to see other people doing it before I would do it. So I'll do it. And then if I survive, no other people (laughs) doing it. I don't know. Would you guys swim with a crocodile? I'd rather swim with a crocodile than an anaconda. (laughs) (laughs) But. Yeah, I had to look into it more. Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. 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 Hammerhead. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's one of the things we've been watching all, you know, the Shark Week and stuff, and we've been looking into diving around Florida. And one of the things that we have come to realize that for some reason I never knew is that there is a lot of shark diving in Florida that you can do. Uh, some in a little bit in the Keys maybe, but the majority of it is in Jupiter, Florida. And so definitely we're going to look into doing some trips out there. But I think that those dives are a little more advanced. So we want to get a few dives for both of us. Um, because they're they're kind of there's some currents and they're a little bit deeper and it sounds like in a lot of them you're just in the water column you're not going to the bottom you're just kind of stuck in the middle <laughs> so you got to have good buoyancy control and stuff and uh, yeah. I need more dives and I'm working on getting enough money to get like my advanced so mm-hmm. we'll see yeah yeah once you have your own gear too it should help you out with buoyancy controls it's we're diving the same thing every time. Yeah. So we got the gear. We just need to use it. Yes. So yeah. here's here's a question that you didn't think about okay. or didn't ask yet. I don't know if it was on your mind, but we've already got this. We've got our, our hotel, but are there rec- recommendations of places that you think are good to stay? Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. So for the most part, we've stayed at Homestead just because it's so much cheaper than like staying in the actual Keys and then drove back and forth every day to Key Largo, which is what, 30, 40 minute drive each way. We stayed in the Keys a few times. Uh, yeah, we stayed at Amore. Amy Slates, that's Amore, the dive resort. Amore, yeah. I've stayed at Amore. I like Amore a lot. Um, we're, we're staying at the, what, Marina... Mm-hmm. Del Marina Mar. Del Mar. We got good prices too. It was yeah. like 114. Yeah, we, we did the package with Rainbow Reef. So we booked it all at the same time. And it was, he said it was like the best rate of the year. Right, something. a lot of that's so we, when we're going. Yeah. Yeah. If so, we would have gone in a week later, it would have been Labor Day and the price would have been higher. Quite a bit higher, yeah. I think. So. <laughs> well, this is what we're going to do. At some point, we were, we were, toying around with doing this earlier in the year and you know it's 2020 so everything's horrible but uh, at some point you guys are gonna have to come down and we can stay I know if you stay someplace like Amore if you've got a group that stays in like one of those bigger units you can save a lot of money that way so you guys will have to come down and we'll have to stay for like a week or or you know part of a week or something and just do a bunch of diving in the keys that'll be a lot of fun yeah and do that Captain sure. Slate's creature yes. feature dive. Are you doing that this time? We're not. We're not. No. Well, we're not booked to do it. Well, that's true. We do. We've, we've booked everything through Rainbow Reef. So aside from like the snorkels and stuff that we've got planned, everything that we've got booked is through Rainbow Reef for diving. But we have extra days. So we, we've coordinated our diving so that we have, and we're diving in the morning, except for the night dive, we're diving the early morning dive. So 
um, we've opened up the possibility. It's just a matter of um, how much we want to dive and how much we can afford to dive. So, yeah. Cause Captain Slate's is, you guys have told us, told us about that place too. That's where they like feed the Barracuda and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, he has been in the Keys since the late seventies. And so he was grandfathered in to be able to feed the creatures from back then. But um, he used to feed Barracudas by putting a Wahoo fish in his mouth and they would swim right in front front of his face and snatch it out and he has a mask from the 80s when it did not go so well and the barracuda actually bit his face and the strap of the mask right off his face i've seen video i feel like of that uh yeah yeah but Um, now he feeds the eels and uh nurse sharks okay creature features okay yeah, and, and I know that's controversial with some people, but I think it would be pretty cool to to experience. I'd like to see it. And yep. uh, I wonder what's going to happen with him. So when he retires, if he retires, maybe he won't retire. If that if that company will still be grandfathered in or they're like, nope, is it just him or is it the business that's grandfathered in? I believe it's the business. Um, we have done the creature feature twice and the the first time, first time he was on it yes and the second time on, he had a, someone else feeding yeah oh, okay but he was the captain of the boat that day so and uh his daughter now owns the islander resort in key largo i want to say and she has her own snorkel company hmm. interesting so okay. i believe that they will be just fine yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> retirement time cool any final thoughts, guys, about the keys? Anything we should know before we go? We wish we were coming with you, and <laughs> we are jealous, and we hope you have a great time. We know you will. And we're looking forward to seeing the photos and videos and everything. Well, yeah, thank we'll you. definitely be doing all of that. Yeah, we wish you guys were coming with us, too. But uh, look, we'll get more experience, so that way when you dive with us, we'll be better dive buddies anyway. So. We won't be newbies. <laughs> Awesome. Well, listen, thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you guys real soon. Sounds good. Thank you. you. That was so much fun. It was. It was almost as fun as going to the Keys and diving with them. But that's for the future. Yes, they have to come down and go diving with us. Yes, or just hang out. So thank, thank you guys for joining us on the podcast. Hope everybody enjoyed that. Now, we did ask them one question after the interview that we had forgotten to ask them, and that is what? What would you like the cruise creature to be? That's right. And, of course, being creature people, uh, that was probably a hard decision for them. Not for them to come up with one, but which one to come up with. But we discussed a certain creature throughout the interview that came up several times, and that was the... Goliath Grouper. Should I say it more Goliathy? <laughs> I don't know. How, how, what does more Goliathy sound like? Goliath Grouper. <laughs> there you go, the Goliath Grouper. <laughs> so let's talk Goliath Groupers. What do you know about Goliath Groupers? I know that Goliath Groupers can get up to like 800 pounds and eight feet long. That's the suspected max size on the Atlantic Goliath Grouper, which is huge. Big. That's really big. Um, 
I think the record that has been caught online, we see that number everywhere, was like 670 pounds. Didn't say how long that was. But I guess they've been seen at sizes that are guesstimated to be around 800 pounds and about 8 feet long. That's big, That's right? a big fish. Yeah, I mean, we an 8-foot-long eight, eight shark is, is, you know, a moderately-sized shark, but Goliath groupers are also thick. I mean, they're big. They're beefy. Yeah. So what or else do you know about, about Goliath groupers? Anything else you know about them? Um, what did I say earlier? I said a bunch of stuff while you were doing research. <laughs> I don't know. They, you did say a bunch of stuff. Yeah. They like to go to cleaning stations. Yeah. So what is a cleaning station? A cleaning station is a place that they can go where there's all kinds of little, like, gobies and stuff that will clean their body so yeah i mean basically that's what it's like a car wash for fish basically more or less and groupers of all sorts seem to like these and there'll be spaces like little territories little areas where usually you'll have like some neon gobies or maybe some uh little types of of clean cleaner shrimp and so these big fish will pull in like like at a car wash and they'll open their mouths and they'll open their gills and these little creatures will go in and get to work and they'll start cleaning them out getting all the little parasites off so it's a mutualistic symbiotic relationship where the the creatures cleaning them get a free meal and the creatures being cleaned get cleaned of parasites how cool is that instead of a shower you just go into a space and little things come out and eat all the dirt off of you I don't know if I'd want that for myself. <laughs> I mean, you don't have parasites. There's not too many, at least. I mean, <laughs> Only all, you. We, oh. oh. Shots fired. I'm just kidding. Man. You're not a parasite. You're the opposite of a parasite. <sighs> okay. I don't know what that is. I don't but, either. All right. So <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's maybe it's a mutualistic symbiotic relationship. That yeah. sounds like a good thing, right? A yeah. Sim, a mutualistic symbiotic relationship is um, is what a, a relationship, a human relationship, should be if it's positive. That's true. So there it you just go. sounds very scientific and well, not very lovey. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of love between gobies and groupers, but who am I to say? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's going on there, fish brains. All right, what else do you know about Goliath groupers? I can't think of anything. Like I said, I know I said a bunch of stuff while you were researching, but I can't think of any of it now that I'm supposed to say it. All right. Well, I will talk about them. And then if, you, if you're like, oh, yeah, that. that. Uh, so for one, we said they're big fish. They are also pretty endangered. And uh, that's because they taste really good. So they, they were easy to find, easy to catch because they're fairly curious animals. They're kind of slow moving and they tend to aggregate or congregate in spaces together, like groups of a hundred or so throughout most of the summer, a good portion of the year. And so they go to the same places and it made it really easy for spearfishing or even line fishing to some degree to catch these animals. And they were nearly eaten to extinction. But fortunately, there were some laws passed in the kind of early 90s, really, that protected these animals in, the, in Florida and then eventually in the Caribbean. And it's helped. The, the problem is that they are, they are long-lived. So the longest one on record, do you remember what that was? 37 years. Right. So that's the longest on record that we know of. The average may be 
shorter than that or could be longer. We don't really know. Some scientists think they can live a lot longer, but we just don't have that data. But, uh, but the problem is they're slow growers. So in order to build that population back up, it takes a long time for them to get old enough, that they're mature enough, that they're then able to reproduce, and then those babies have to grow. So it, it, takes, it takes time. You know, it takes time to build that. And, uh, and, and to make matters more complicated, scientists are pretty sure that like a lot of other groupers, Goliath groupers are, how do you say the word? Protogenous. Protogenous hermaphrodites. Yes, protogenous hermaphrodites. So what does that mean? It means that most species of groupers, and probably Goliath groupers as well, mature as females. They all do. They all start as females, and then at some point, they transition into males. If they live long enough, they will all transition or most of them will transition into males. And so so that goes back to what I was originally saying, girls are number 1. Well, actually well, they come first, I right. guess, but then the boys are the ultimate product. We are the ultimate product. Yes, but you wouldn't be if it weren't for us. We take longer to develop. That's probably true. That's probably very true. <laughs> So Goliath groupers are really cool. They're really big. Uh, they need our help. They, I have seen them multiple times on, on dives. And, uh, and, and so that you find them usually, I, I see them off the Gulf when I've gone diving, but they're in the keys too. And a lot of times they're around like bridge pilings and, and stuff like that. You're not necessarily going to see them as likely on a coral reef itself, but you can, uh, but, but around big structures, you know, that's, that's where you'll, that was one of the things them. I said. Oh, okay. That they like big structures. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I've seen these fish and they are impressive. I haven't seen any that are quite as big as eight feet and 800 pounds, but I've seen some that are probably six feet and I don't know how to, I'm not good at judging the weight of a fish. Plus it's impolite, I think, to do that. So uh, I, I don't know how heavy they were, but they were big. I know that we had a grouper at the Florida Aquarium that was probably, what, four, five feet long? Yeah, I was going to say. And 250, 300 pounds, something like that. I don't know how much he weighed. I think, but that's, he was, I think that's what it was. He was a big fish. And, uh, and I've seen them not well let me rephrase this because it's going to sound weird i was going to say i've seen them diving but i don't mean i've seen the fish diving i've seen them whilst diving how about that while diving right off into the gulf of mexico and i've seen big big ones bigger than the one that we had at the aquarium we still have one at the aquarium we do by the way but anyway the one at the aquarium his name was cletus and uh he had a nickname of boomer because of something else that these fish can do if they're trying to be all like territorial and stuff they're like hey man this is my uh pillar and you need to go away then what they'll do is they'll boom they'll make like a sonic boom sound which is a real low decibel booming and they do that with like their their swim bladder, this is what I, one of the things I had to research because I knew they did it, but I didn't know how. And Kimber found some information from I think Georgia Aquarium. Yeah. That they use their swim bladder in their mouth and stuff, and they they boom. Boom. Yeah. There was a rumor that one time Cletus boomed and you could hear it, but then I, when we were looking up videos, it's like hard to hear. So I don't I don't know. I, I'm curious about the booming of the Goliath grouper. I will tell you that they are hard. 
harder to catch on hook and line than some other groupers. They're easy to spear, and we know where they are, so that kind of makes up for that. But uh, they're kind of picky in the way that they eat. They're pure ambush predators, and so they're not necessarily going to go after something on a line as easily. They like to eat things on the bottom, so uh, things like crabs and lobsters, maybe the occasional small fish that comes by, and they open that big, huge mouth, because that's kind of the grouper thing, having a big mouth, and they just cause like a negative energy, there's a better word to describe that, that just basically sucks everything in. So, it's Mega Maid, sir. She's gone from blow to suck. Anyway, Spaceballs fans out there. And uh, it just pulls everything in and then boom, the grouper closes its mouth and has lunch, dinner, breakfast, whatever meal it happens to be. So pretty impressive animals. And they have big lips. They do. They have big, cute lips. And uh, they're really pretty fish. Uh, especially for something that massive. They've got a lot of patterns on them that they can change. And uh, really cool fish. Really awesome fish. Are we forgetting anything about the Goliath grouper? Mm. Super grouper trooper? I don't think so. No? Just They're Goliath. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like it has to be said that way. They're Goliath. Goliath groupers. (laughs) My mom likes to eat grouper. But hopefully not Goliath grouper, because that would be illegal I, if she's eating Goliath grouper. There are other Whatever groupers. they have at the restaurant that she goes to. Well, they shouldn't be serving Goliath grouper. Yeah. I'm sure they're not. That's uh, all I know. Yeah, if you're, if you're interested in grouper conservation or any marine life conservation, really, or especially seafood-type animals, uh, there's some sources out there you can go to, like seafood... Watch, which I believe is Monterey Bay Aquarium's Mm -hmm. resource. They have a website. They have apps for Android and Apple. And what these do is they let you find the the thing you're going to eat, whether it be a fish or lobster or shrimp. And it'll tell you whether it's a bad choice, an okay choice, or a good choice. And if you have the app or the website, there's a card too, but it doesn't give you much information. But the app and the website, especially the website, will tell you why they're saying that. So sometimes it's a bad choice because it's like the Goliath grouper and nobody should be fishing for them because it's illegal because there's not enough of them out there and we'll just fish them to extinction if we're not careful. Sometimes it's because the animals, and this is true sometimes of Goliath groupers, have a lot of like say mercury in their system. So it may not be a healthy fish for you to eat. So it's not just conservation, it's also health. And then the other thing it could be is how they're fish. So it might be a fish that's okay to eat as far as their sustainability goes, but they may be fished in a way that catches a lot of bycatch. And, you know, like that's why the vaquita is um, on the brink of extinction and a lot of other animals. Or it could be a fish that is farmed in a way that the farming is either causing a lot of bacteria or a lot of disease in the fish being farmed, which is bad for you, the consumer, it may be that they're using a lot of antibiotics to combat that, which could potentially be bad for you, the consumer. It could also be that the way they're farming is causing a lot of pollution. So even though they're farming the fish, which sounds like a good idea for sustainability, it could actually be causing more problems to the surrounding ecosystem. So how do you know all that? Well, go go get Seafood Watch and you'll be able to tell and then you'll be able to make more informed decisions, whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're Uh, at a restaurant, whether you're fishing, and you can ask them, hey, where did my seafood come from? And uh, if they don't know, then 
maybe give your money somewhere else if you care about having seafood down the road, because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. So that's it. That's the Goliath grouper, I think, in a in a fish egg. It's a cool fish. It is a cool fish. So thank you again to Andrew and Mallory, Mallory and Andrew, Mallory and Andrew, Andrew and Mallory for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for the <laughs> Goliath grouper for the cruise creature this week. All right, Matt, I think it's time to head for the horizon. And until next time, seize the day. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Hopefully we will. Oh, yeah. There's not a hurricane. No, don't say that. No hurricanes. All right, well, thank you for waiting after the credits. We did promise we would give you the last three episodes. Four episodes. The, was there four? Yeah, the four. The last four episodes of Shark Week reviewed briefly. We're going to just do it briefly. And uh, let's see, what was the first one? Sharks of Ghost Island. Oh, Sharks of Ghost Island. <laughs> what do you think of this one? Um, Honestly, after watching all of shark week and then watching this one like a few days later i was like i am over shark week now <laughs> i i think that this one was it had a lot of uh dramatic kind of fear-mongering in it but then it did actually it like started that way strongly but then it actually had some real science in it so it was it was okay. I would say it was moderately interesting. We're not going to break down the like we did the other ones. I, I would say it was it was all right. It was it was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what about Wicked Shark? That's the next one. Wicked Wicked Shark. It's it's wicked because it's up in like that part of the world where they say shark and park. I think. <laughs> I think it was like in Boston. Yeah, this is the Boston. one that was up. Was it, yeah, in so that area. So it's kind of a play on word. It's not like, it's a wicked evil shark. It's more like, oh, wicked shark. And it's I, actually, I apologize it's, to everybody. It's wicked from, sharks. Wicked sharks. Sorry. It was just bugging me that you didn't add that S at the end. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this was uh, basically. It was It was kind of interesting. It, it was. There was a lot of over-dramatized fear-mongering in this one as well. But uh, basically, they're, they're they're trying to track sharks. It's it's kind of cool. They're trying to track sharks that are swimming around. I, what is that actual area? The whole northeast is just confusing to me. I just mix it all up. I don't know. But um, but basically, they've got all these beak beakers, these uh, buoys <laughs> out that pick up signals so they can track sharks. And the kind of cool thing is, if a shark swims within a certain distance of one of these and it's near one of the beaches, it sends an email to the lifeguards to tell them, you know, maybe they need to close the beach. Because yeah. there's a lot of seals and stuff and people swimming where the sharks are eating. So there's a lot of there's a lot of room for sharks to be, <clears throat> pardon me, making mistakes. Yeah, this one, I mean, it had some science in it, so that was kind of interesting. But again, like I said, I was kind of, kind of over Shark Week at this point. Yeah, we watched a lot of sharks. 
Lots and lots of shark documentaries. All right, and then the next one, Sharks Gone Wild. Three. Yeah. It was all right. I, I mean, I've been thinking about this one a lot since we watched it and what I was going to say about it because there's a big part of me that's like, this was really, really stupid and it made me angry. Um, they tried to put little bits of shark conservation in there to, to try and placate people like me probably. But um, but I'll be honest with you, as, as dramatic and stuff as that footage was, some of it was really fascinating to watch. So uh, their presentation was terrible. The way it was filmed and often was, was overhyped and terrible. But there was some interesting stuff here. I was surprisingly surprised. Like, before we watched the last two, I looked over at Matt and I said, do we really need to watch these last two? I mean, it's called Sharks, Sharks Gone, Gone Wild. Wild. Three. Like, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I think our expectations were, were very low. Yeah. So <laughs> wasn't a high bar. C- considering what I was expecting it to be, it was better than that. Yeah. And then there was the last one. I was prey, terrors from the deep. So what did you think of this one? I mean, it was just another version of I was prey. Yeah. Also, terrors from the deep made me think that it was going to be like more deep sea stuff. No. So I was disappointed that it was just like the same stuff bull sharks yeah great white sharks unknown sharks yeah tiger I mean, shark yeah it, it sounds like the title of one of the books i would have read as a child that was full of exaggeration now now look this is accounting uh for i think it was four real shark attacks where people were really injured in severe ways like most of them lost limbs and stuff so i don't want to take anything away from those experiences those were very traumatic they were horrible i feel for those people 100 percent. so i don't i don't mean any disrespect or anything but the problem with this kind of video is that uh, this kind of documentary if you will is that it it leaves even people like myself feeling a little nervous about sharks and it's 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 really really bad at building the fear up. Now, kudos to them because most of them didn't say all of them. Most of them were back out in the water. They weren't like, we hate sharks and stuff like that. But still, I mean, you can dress it up as it's just interesting, but by playing it the way they did and showing like a film of bloody surfboards that were not real, they were just staged and with big bites out of them and stuff. I mean, you're just amping up that fear in people. And and this sums it up perfectly, I think. The one gentleman who was attacked by a shark in California, and he survived, and, you know, he, he was interviewed and talked about his struggles. And then they put at the end, four months after the interview, he was killed in an automobile accident. And that's super tragic, but I think it also puts things in perspective. Like... If you did documentaries like that on automobile accidents, nobody would go anywhere in cars. Everybody would be terrified of them. Shark attacks, when they do happen, they are not good things. And I don't want to dress it up like they are. But they're so infrequent. They're so rare that it's it's very, uh, I think it's a very bad idea to sort of scare people about them. There's There's things in life that are risky. There's things in life that 
are dangerous and there's nothing you can do about it. You've got to live your life. I mean, there are some things you can take precautions about, some things you can avoid. Those are up to each person to judge for their, themselves what's worth worth that risk to them. Shark attacks are a very, very low risk, much lower than getting in that vehicle and going to work every day. So that was my thought on it. Yeah. All of the things you said. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, we, I, I some don't... of those were, were things you said, too, because we kind of com- conversed right. about this a little bit. Yeah. I, I struggle with the I was prey ones because I've, I've never dove with sharks or been in the water with sharks. And I really, really want to see one. But after watching these things, like, it makes me, like, I'm already a little bit nervous just because I haven't done it. I know that they're not interested in me, but then I watch these shows and I'm like, well, that one was interested in that person. Right. Like I said, if they made films like this on traffic accidents, like, you know, I would be afraid to get in the car and go to the grocery store. You know, it's it's just, it's just overblowing a situation that is very unlikely. And, and the most of these, not all of them, there was one where the lady was literally at the beach in Cancun, which was really weird. Like just walking, like she could yeah. reach the bottom. It yeah. wasn't like clear, she was out in the clear open. Clear water is breaking all the, the things that, you know, people say, well, sharks attack when you're spearfishing, sharks attack when you're surfing, sharks attack when the water's not clear. And most of these are those situations for sure. But, then you get an anomaly, and then of course, you know, everybody's everybody counts the hits and forgets the misses. So that's what I would say about that. Yeah. And that's all we have to say about that. That's it. <laughs> so thanks for listening, and um, hopefully, when this comes out, we'll be driving to the Keys, and there won't be a big storm. And if there is, then we'll be crying and adding more water to the earth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> get it? Tears, eyes, water. Yes. Yes. Ha.